Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. You know, I hate to start off with legalese and pull this stuff on our listeners, but, you, you know, our topic today is whether churches are subject to public accommodations laws, whether churches are subject to non-discrimination laws. It may seem like a ridiculous topic, but unfortunately, it's a very real danger. Our guest today is is my good friend, Attorney Jim Hochberg from Hawaii. Jim, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Aloha. Thanks for calling me. Aloha, indeed. So, you know, for starters, help our listeners understand, you know, what a public accommodations law is and, and, and why we have them. Well, you know, public accommodations laws were part of the common law that came to the United States and to Hawaii from England. And basically, the idea was because people traveled, uh, they needed to be able to get transportation and overnight accommodation. And so the common law developed that it was not proper to deny access to the transportation system or the overnight accommodation. Well, and then with the civil rights movement, uh, the non-discrimination laws were applied but at the federal level applied rather narrowly to things like restaurants and hotels and, you know, buses and trains, that sort of thing, right? Well, yeah, and I think if we put it into a historical context, the uh, congressional action is slower than state legislative action. And so uh, when Congress was doing its more narrow version, and states may at that time have also been doing more narrow versions. Since then, states are getting more and more and more aggressively uh, broadening the definition of what a public accommodation is to now even seek to include non-business entities, which it's never been a non-business entity. Now, I understand because, you know, I was in Hawaii. I have a couple of clients, a couple of religious discrimination cases there, and, and you and I were together and talking, and you said that um, the Hawaii law is now interpreted to cover churches. Is that really true? Well, I do know that our administrative agency is called the Civil Rights Commission, which is a little different from most states. And the Civil Rights Commission has accepted and investigated discrimination claims against churches who would not allow their premises to be used for a marriage ceremony by two homosexual men, even before 2013, when Hawaii passed the same-sex marriage law. So instead of the Civil Rights Commission telling those complainants, well, number one, you don't have the right to marriage anyway uh, under the current law, and number two, you can't claim that a church is discriminating against you on the basis of their religious beliefs. Instead of taking that position, the Civil Rights Commission accepted the complaint and has spent years investigating it. Now, I know that in Hawaii, there are churches that um, make a business, if you will, of 
being a wedding venue. Uh, my former pastor came from Hawaii to California, and when he was in Hawaii, they did a thriving business with Japanese tourists coming over to Hawaii and would use the church uh, as a wedding venue. In the case that you're talking about, um, was that the situation where the church was uh, essentially open to the public uh, and getting good revenue stream for doing weddings, or, or was it something else? Okay, well, first of all, the premise of your thought, from my perspective, is erroneous. The church is not in business. If a church allows Japanese tourists to go through its marriage counseling and get married, they're actually sharing the gospel. That's the purpose of the church. And if weddings are a way to do that, that's not being in business. Even if money is provided, I got married and I gave a contribution to the pastor as appreciation for his time. Some churches may take that a step further in efficiency by actually billing or something like that, which I would suggest is not a good idea because it looks like you're not spreading the gospel, you're selling marriage ceremonies. But I, I think a thinking pastor, if confronted with that situation, should come down to the conclusion, you know what? I'm not selling wedding ceremonies. I'm actually inviting these non-Christians to go through this process because it's the only opportunity I'm ever going to have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And who knows what the Holy Spirit can do with that after they leave. I appreciate your perspective on that, Jim, very, very much. So we have the Hawaii Civil Rights Commission essentially saying we have jurisdiction to investigate churches for discrimination. Well, and the reason they can stake out the right to investigate a church is because their first question is, is this church behaving as a public accommodation? That's the first question. So if a church is complained about, the church will get a letter from the Civil Rights Commission in Hawaii, which my guess is will say, please give us a list of all non-members who you have major facilities available to in the last blank number of years, 5, 10, 7, 3, whoever, whatever, and they will take that list of users that are not members of that church and the uses, and they'll analyze it and determine whether the first question is a yes or a no. In their mind, have you made your facilities available to the public as visitors? Uh, and if you have, then you are in the minds of our Civil Rights Commission, potentially a public accommodation that then is subject to the non-discrimination laws that govern public accommodations, and then they can go ahead and do their administrative process, which is way, way further uh, and stronger and meaner and tougher than the federal. So if you're a church and you are open to the public, if the public is allowed to come to your services, that makes you subject to the law? Well, according to an October 2013 memo from the Civil Rights Commission, they said in writing that act alone will not make you a public accommodation if you allow visitors to sit in your pews during a church service. But, but churches have, and I'm, I'm speaking about the church at large, because I hope there's not a single church that does not have this mission. 
And that is, the church's mission is to the unchurched world. Right. It's not to its membership. Part of its mission is to equip its members to go out into the unchurched world. So, what do churches do to accomplish their mission to the unchurched world? They host community events. I, I don't know of a single church that doesn't have something like this, a Boy Scout meeting, a uh, uh, 12-step program meeting, um, a community uh, neighborhood board access to their, their rooms. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. They want the community to come interact with them because it's all about creating opportunities to spread the gospel. The sure. Civil Rights and Commission. Look, in most will, communities, the church real estate is the most underutilized, uh, you know, public resource that there is. And there's so many opportunities for community groups to utilize the real estate, the meeting spaces, the classrooms, etc., and to have programming there. And some churches do a better job than others of of making that available. But Alan, I totally disagree with your characterization of church property as public facilities. It is private. Fair enough. Fair enough. The church may the church may choose who it wants to allow and who it does not want to allow, and it should be in an unbridled fashion. It should be. And here's the interesting point that Nobody in the Civil Rights Commission, the state legislature, or the governor's office have ever come to grips with or even grappled with. The prohibition in the public accommodation law in the state of Hawaii says that if you are a public accommodation, you cannot discriminate on the basis of those that long list of uh, uh, protected classes, you know, which is uh, race, religion, uh, sex. Gender identity or expression, sexual orientation, color, disability, ancestry, age, disability, right. national origin, and religion. Right. And religion. So, hey, how come we don't have one Christian church denomination? Because, as a matter of fact, they distinguish themselves from each other. They discriminate on the basis of their religious belief. So, how, in logical terms, can a church be subject to not being allowed to discriminate on the basis of religion? because somehow it's a public accommodation in Hawaii. It doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this show with you is because I think our listeners around the country and even internationally need to understand the scope of the problem, that this this is kind of a sleeper issue. Uh, Americans don't realize that the attack on religious freedom may start beating down the doors of the church. You know, um, the church started in the catacombs, and we're probably going to end up there. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's not a laughing matter, is it? It really isn't. Um, and I tell you, more and more, it kind of feels that way. Uh, the notion, you know, that a church is somehow a business and subject to be regulated as a business is just bizarre to me. But I think it, it's part of the shift uh, in our culture, away from traditional values to kind of a, you know, this postmodern ethos where, you know, you can believe whatever you want except that, uh, uh, that there's an absolute truth. You know, belief in God and absolute truth is the only belief that's uh, ruled out of order. And my end times response to that in agreement is, in the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, before he returns, 
it will be like it was in the days of Noah, everyone doing what's right in his own eyes. And we're getting dang close to that. Well, you know, I was at dinner with my wife last night observing that the book of Revelation is is so simple and profound in characterizing the world of the last days uh, with the symbol of Babylon, uh, whose very name means confusion. It's becoming a very confused world as we've gotten away from the biblical foundations of of our moral and, and social ethos. Yep. Where do you see this going as far as uh, public accommodations law? Do you think that it's uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better? Is there something for our listeners uh, to do practically? Well, you know what? I think the most practical thing is to make sure that Hillary Clinton is not elected <laughs> president because if she stacks the Supreme Court with people that agree with the Hawaii Civil Rights Commission that churches are public accommodations, every case in the pipeline that ADS has is done. Every one of them. It's over. So, uh, just for the record, Freedom's Ring is itself a nonpartisan show, but obviously our guests are not necessarily nonpartisan. So, I certainly respect, uh, you know, your views, Jim. And I'm not going to comment publicly on them. <laughs> All right. And that, that's okay. I wasn't trying to get no, you in trouble. You asked, and that's, that's my answer. That's perfectly fine. This has been Freedom's Ring. Our guest, Jim Hochberg, attorney in Hawaii. We've been talking about how the Hawaii Civil Rights Commission interprets the public accommodations laws to apply discrimination law against churches, if you can believe that. Jim Thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. God bless you. Aloha. God bless you. So as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We offer help to those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Ronach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>